Sermon 9 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Even then, when you were dead through your offences and sins, wherein ye walked for a time, according to the course of the world, after the prince of the power of the air, which is the spirit that worketh now in the children of unbelief, among whom we also had all of us sometime our conversation, to wit, in the lusts of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh, and of the thoughts, and were by nature children of wrath, as others were. But God, who is rich in mercy, through his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by whose grace you be saved." We have seen already heretofore that to know God's infinite goodness thoroughly, we must always consider what we be ourselves, and what our state is till God have pitied us to succour our wretchedness. For until men have so examined themselves how wretched and miserable they be, surely they will never yield God the hundredth part of the honour that he deserveth. Wherefore, let us bear well this lesson in remembrance, that to yield God the praise which is due to him, every of us must consider what he were of himself, if God had not reached out his hand unto him. And in good faith, what is our nature in general? It is to think nothing but all manner of evil, and that is the matter which St. Paul treateth of as now. In the first chapter, the matter which he treated of continually was that we cannot sufficiently exalt our God, considering the mercy that he useth towards us. And now, to express the same yet the better, and to touch us the more to the quick with it, he showeth us as in a picture or in a glass what men are till God have presented them with his grace and called them back to himself. Therefore he showeth that we be plunged in so horrible a dungeon that the very thinking of it ought to abash us and make the hairs stand up upon our heads. For it cannot be, but that thereupon we must needs be moved and inflamed to bless God's name, for that he hath sought us so in the bottom of hell to draw us up to the kingdom of heaven. And our Lord Jesus Christ, to show in what case he findeth us, to show in what case he findeth us, saith that he is come to the end that the dead should rise at his voice. Ye see then that the office which the Son of God taketh upon him is to draw us from death to life by the doctrine of his gospel. According whereunto he addeth that such as believe in him are passed from death wherein they were held down and are entered into the heavenly life. Not that the faithful do enjoy it here already, but because they possess it in such wise by hope, as they be thoroughly assured of it. Now, whereas our Lord Jesus Christ saith that his voice hath power to raise the dead, he taketh it by a similitude, for what life soever we surmise ourselves to have, yet notwithstanding if we be separated from God, will be in a spiritual death, Howsoever the unbelievers imagine themselves to be more than alive in their own wisdom and virtue, and therein do they harden themselves and make their brags of it to the uttermost. But let us see where the wellspring of life is. It is in God, and they be alienated from him. 
Also, let us see what is the true life of man. It is not that he should be subtle and fine-witted and be able to compass his matters well in this world by his own cunning and policy, or to purchase himself renown, or to be witty and well advised to give counsel to all other men. It is not that he should excel in all human sciences and in all arts, neither is it that he should be esteemed and renowned as a man of noble courage, or as one that hath the other virtues that are commendable among men, but it is a higher thing that we must begin at, namely, to know that God is our Father, that we be defended and preserved by the light of his word, and enlightened by faith to know the way of salvation, and to assure ourselves that our whole welfare lieth in him, so as we seek it there with all lowliness, and also to know the means whereby to attain to it, that is, to wit, by having our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole fullness of grace is offered us. Thus you see what the spiritual life of man is, and where it lieth, that is, to wit, in the light of God's word, and in the working of his Holy Spirit, so as we be new-fashioned again according to the image that was lost and utterly defaced in us by Adam's sin. And is that to be found among worldly men? Yea, even among those that are most honoured? No, surely. Then it is not without cause that our Lord Jesus useth this similitude, saying that we be raised from death by means of the gospel. For flourish we never so much, bear we never so fair a gloss before men, and seem we to have never so much wherefore to be had in estimation, yet are we but wretched carrions. There is nothing but rottenness and filthiness in us. God loatheth us. We be damned and forlorn before him. The angels abhor us. All creatures curse and ban us, and all things ask vengeance upon us because we defile them. For there is such corruption in man that heaven and earth must be infected with it until God have changed them. The thing, then, which our Lord Jesus Christ's saying importeth is that until we be renewed by the gospel through the faith that proceedeth of it, we be but as dead men. There is not one drop of life in us that deserveth the name of life. And to be short, we be as good as buried in our graves, and must be fain to go out of them again, whereby we be done to understand that we be cut off from God's kingdom, and consequently that there is nothing but filth in us, and yet notwithstanding that God vouchsafeth to be knit and knitted unto such as put their trust in him and in his goodness. That, say I, is our rising again. To be short, we must always consider that man bringeth death with him, even with his birth, not only because he is mortal, but also because he is separated from God. We be mortal whites, and it were but in respect that we must needs pass through this world and depart thence whensoever it pleaseth God. But we be also dead aforehand. And how is that? Because our souls are altogether sinful. There is neither thought nor affection in us which tendeth not to evil. All is repugnant or rebellious against God and against the rule of his righteousness. When we imagine either one thing or other, we can never devise anything in our minds but sin and unrighteousness. According as it is said in Genesis, 
that God knew that all that ever man had in his thought and imagination was sin. Now, since it is so, let us understand that although we had knowledge of good and evil, and that we had far greater skill and discretion than we have, yet are we so marred that all our desires and lusts rebel against God, as it were to make war against him. Seeing that we be so corrupted in our souls, and that there is neither thought nor affection which is not utterly naught, let us not think it strange that God with his own mouth avoweth us to be dead, notwithstanding that through our own fond overweening we imagine that there is some life in us. And that is the very thing which St. Paul treateth of as now, in saying that the Ephesians were partakers of the above-mentioned grace, though they were dead through their own sins and iniquities. As if he should say, To the intent ye may the better esteem the value of God's grace, and what it bringeth with it. Think not only upon your present state, but consider that if God had left you such as you were of yourselves, and had not succoured you at all, but had let you follow your own swinge, you had been undone. Consider what your nature is, for you were dead, and there was no hope that ever you should be quickened again, because it is not in the power of man's own free will to give himself life again when he is once dead. Know ye, therefore, that God did draw you out of the dungeon of all destruction, yea, rather out of the bottom of hell, when he vouchsafed to adopt you to be his children, and to call you to the knowledge of his gospel. We see that this saying of St. Paul's is comfortable to the doctrine and record of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then let us always run back to the well's head, whensoever we be tempted to glory in our own virtues, and imagine ourselves to have, I would not, to advance us with all. Let us resort to our natural state, let us consider that we had been undone, and that we were undone yet still at this day, if God, of his infinite mercy, had not drawn us out of the confusion wherein we were, and delivered us from it by the means of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is purposely said, in Offences and Sins, to stop all men's mouths, that no man might make proffer to withdraw himself from the common array, nor to think that anything is so grievous as the corruption of our nature, which cannot be stayed but by death. If St. Paul had set down but one of the words, either offences or sins, by and by they would have been answering and replying. For some would have thought themselves to have been of the common array, and other some would have said, very well, though there be some sin in us, though there be some fault in us, it doth not therefore follow that we be utterly condemned and cursed of God, for will he use such rigour and extremity against us? But St. Paul hath enjoined both the words together to show that there is nothing in our nature but all wickedness and sin, and, at a word, that there is not one drop of life to be found in it. Therefore it is all one, as though he meant to aggravate or make the thing heinous, which men on their part would make light. For if we have never so small a portion of virtue, yea, or but a shadow of it, we will needs exalt it above all the mountains of the world. But if there be any vices in us, though they be never so gross and apparent, 
yet we make but very light faults of them. Therefore it stood St. Paul on hand to beat down this fond presumptuousness of men, and to show them that they be wholly sapped in sin. For although he speak here to the Ephesians, yet speaketh he generally to all men. And in good sooth he expresseth it yet better in saying, that we walked according to the trade of the world. For the evil lurketh unespied, till it bewray itself by its fruits. And the cause why men cannot humble themselves before God, as were requisite, is that they flatter themselves till they be convicted, and be compelled to stoop, and to hold down their heads spit of their teeth. For we see what hypocrisy is in us, insomuch that we would bear ourselves in hand that black were white, and never find ourselves faulty, so long as our misdeeds could not be laid open to our faces, nor any man stop our mouths by witnessing them to our heads. To have many wicked thoughts, or to be tempted to do this or that evil, we think it no sin at all. To be short, St. Paul hath justly set down that the Ephesians walked in their sins, to the intent to show that he speaketh not of a thing which ought to be unknown to them, for in beholding their own lives, and in beholding what they had been, and what trace they had followed, they should have been driven to confess that they were utterly forlorn and cursed afore God. Therefore, whensoever our hypocrisy hindereth us from submitting ourselves unto God, and from beating of ourselves down by acknowledging of our sins, let us learn to look into our life. Truly, although we perceived a whole million of faults that we have committed, yet it is nothing in comparison of that which God knoweth. Yet notwithstanding, to waken us the better, that we may not be deceived by our own self-soothing, as we have been wont to be, let us always judge of the root by the fruits of it. Seeing then that we be guilty of offending God in so many ways, let us conclude thereupon that there is nothing but frowardness in our nature. And to show the better that he speaketh not here of any one sort of men, but of all mankind, St. Paul addeth, that it was according to the trade of the world. The word that he useth here betokeneth the course of time, as if he should say, even as we see the sun doth daily rise and go down, and as we see winter and summer follow one another, so is it that an ordinary custom, yea, and even the nature of man, to be utterly froward, spiteful, and rebellious against God, and there is nothing in him but all manner of lewdness and corruption. It is not for men to say, Tush, evil custom hath gotten the upper hand, and again, this serveth for some men, but all do not so. There are some nations more sinful than other some, and there are some men more stubborn and malicious than others. And yet there will always some virtue be found in some other men. Nay, saith St. Paul, for it is the common course of the world. As if he should say, it is so natural to all men, as there is no disputing whether one man be bad and another good. For like as fish is made to suck up water, so are we suckled, or rather made stark drunken with all manner of iniquities and sins. We be so filled and stuffed with them that we burst again. Thus ye see how St. Paul meant here not to rebuke some one sort of men, but to show all men without exception what their state is, 
till God have redressed it. Therefore let us open our eyes, and look into the thing that St. Paul saith, and we shall perceive that all our worthiness and noblesse is decried unto us here. Here are our arms blazed, that is to wit, that we be but dead men, till God quicken us by his mere grace. Again, too, the end we should know that this death proceedeth not from elsewhere than of our own sins. It is said that we be all corrupted, that there is nothing in us but faults, sins, and offences, and that all our whole life beareth record thereof, so as the fruit showeth what the root is. And on the other side, that our starting aside is not for once and no more, but that we tend wholly thither, that is to say, to evil. We be inclined thereunto, nay, rather, we be carried headlong thereunto, yea, and we be driven with such a rage that we never cease striving against God till he have brought us in subjection to him by his Holy Spirit. And St. Paul thinks it not enough to say so, but addeth things which ought to make us to tremble yet more, saying that it is according to the prince of the air, according as he hath all power in the world, according to the spirit that ruleth all the unbelievers. His talking after that manner is to show that till God hath quickened us by means of our Lord Jesus Christ, and until he hath gathered us unto him, the devil hath dominion over us. See, I pray you, what the dignity of men is until Jesus Christ have ransomed them. They die not once and away, but everlastingly, and he must be fain by his gospel to make them partakers of the salvation which he hath purchased for them. Then, until God have wrought in us by his grace, whose are we? The devil's, he is our prince. To be short, he hath all authority over us, and ruleth us with such tyranny, as there is nothing but hailing of us to him by force. But St. Paul useth this word spirit purposely, to show that the devil ruleth all our thoughts, all our affections, and all our desires, that he possesseth us, and that we be all wholly his bond-slaves. At a word, we cannot stir one finger, we cannot once move, we cannot think one thought, but the devil is at our elbow and haileth us in such wise as we utterly become deadly enemies to God. When we hear these things, it is no time for us to fall asleep and to flatter ourselves, nor to be so lusty and presumptuous as to go to law still with God, as though there were some goodness in us, and that he were bound to acknowledge our virtues. Must not men needs be too far out of their wits when they continue still in their hypocrisy, and will needs stand to their tackling against God, and win him by their replying, after that the Holy Ghost hath thundered so dreadful and horrible a sentence upon our heads. If then a man may be considered in himself and in his own nature, what shall he be able to say? Behold, a creature cursed of God, and worthy to be cast out of the common account of all other creatures, yea, even of worms, flies, lice, and vermin, for there is more valour in any vermin in the world than there is in man. For man is a creature wherein God's image is defaced, and the good that he had put in it corrupted. There is nothing in it but sin, insomuch that we be the devil's limbs, and he not only ruleth us, but also possesseth us, and is our prince. Be we once thoroughly persuaded of this in our hearts, Shall we not, on the one side, have cause to run quaking to our Lord Jesus Christ, and to hold us shrouded under the shadow of his wings? And on the other side, 
must it not needs be a beastly blockishness, if we be so thankless as not to magnify God's goodness, in that he hath drawn us out of such a dungeon unto himself, to make us fellows and brethren, not only of the angels in heaven, but also of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory, thereby to put away all reproach, and instead of being hateful to all creatures, to make us bear his mark, and to be honoured, and to be embraced of the angels as their brethren, and to be avowed of our Lord Jesus Christ as members of his body. So then, now we see St. Paul's meaning. And further, to the intent that all replying should cease, he showeth what the power of the devil is. For he could have said in one word, Ye have lived after the manner of the world, that is to say, devilishly. For so doeth the thing that he speaketh import. But instead of naming the devil in one word, he saith first, According to the prince that hath his power in the air, and the spirit that worketh even now in the rebellious children. In saying, The prince that hath his power in the air, he disappointeth us of all starting holes, for it is not for naught that the devil is named the prince of the world, and yet it is not for that he reigneth over the sun, the moon, the stars, the skies, and the earth, but for that he holdeth us captive in his bonds, because we be not worthy to be governed by God. For had Adam continued in the soundness wherein God created him, God would have held us as his children. But after the fall of our first father, God left us, and Satan took us in possession. True it is that Satan cannot do anything at all without God's leave. For whereas he is named the prince of the world, it is not meant that he fighteth in such wise against God, as it cannot be known who is the stronger. That were a cursed blasphemy, and like these heretics, which sing such phrases in the scripture, have imagined that the devil doth now and then resist God, and that he hath such force and power that God is fain sometimes to give him place. But such words are stark madness. Nevertheless, this sovereignty of Satan is God's just vengeance, according as it is said that he delivereth us into the hands of our enemies, when we cannot abide, that he should reign over us. And so is that thing fulfilled and verified in us all, forasmuch as God hath printed his mark in us, we ought to be governed by his spirit. But our father would needs exalt himself, he would needs set up his bristles against God, and he was not contented with his own state and bounds. Forasmuch therefore as he rebelled in that wise, and could not find in his heart to abide the sovereign dominion of God, he was given up to the devil and made subject to him, and forasmuch as he could not abide that God should reign over him, he was fain to have another master, and that subjection must reach unto all men in general. So then, let us mark that the sovereignty and tyranny of the devil is a just vengeance of God upon men for their sin. Let that serve for one point. And therefore, let us not imagine that the devil hath the reins of the bridle laid loose in his neck, or that he hath liberty to do what he list, though God withstand him, but that we be left up and given over unto him. And to the intent we may yet better know this subjection, St. Paul saith that he is in the air, as he will speak more at large again in the end of the epistle. He could have said simply, according to the prince that hath great power, according as our Lord Jesus saith, that he is the strong man which possesseth the world in peace. Ye see then that the devil is called a prince because he hath such power as we be not able to withstand. And besides that, St. Paul giveth him his place in the air. Not that the devils are enclosed in a place certain, for we ourselves see that they enter into men's bodies, yea, and into the bodies of swine, after as our Lord giveth them leave and power. 
but he speaketh purposely of the air to make us understand that they be above our heads. If we have an enemy, we will see if we can overthrow him. But if he have his foot upon our throat already, if he tread upon our bellies, if he be already gotten upon us, what remedy is there? None at all on our part. That is the cause why St. Paul speaketh here expressly of the air, as if he should say that men may well brag and lift up their nebs, and be brazen fast in advancing themselves, but yet is the devil above them with all that he can make. To be short, he showeth that we be utterly given up to that cursed bondage. And to make the matter plainer, he addeth, according to the spirit. For what is the cause that we perceive not the state which he speaketh of, but because we be fleshly? If there reigned a tyrant over us, that would lay a subsidy upon us today, and a tax tomorrow, and sack men's houses, and the next day cut this man's and that man's throat, and ravish men's wives, and commit other enormities and outrages, we would well enough perceive it. And why? Because we be quick of feeling in the things that touch our flesh. And so earthly, as we cannot perceive anything except it concern this present life. That is the cause why we perceive not our own miseries, for they be invisible. We think not that the devil is such a tyrant, nor so horrible as he is, because we see him not. But St. Paul telleth us that we must look higher than this world, and that we must have other eyes than those that behold visible things, and that it standeth us on hand to look upon the devil, though he be ghostly, and that although he have neither arms to strike us with, nor legs to go with, or any such other things, yet he faileth not to be the worst tyrant that can be devised in the whole world. And why so? For he entereth unseen. If there were a man that could enter into other men's heads and hearts, yea, and into their thoughts and affections, without sword or staff, without venom or poison, without threatening or anything else, or if he had an hundredth deaths in his hand, and could make them enter without feeling how, I pray you, were not such an enemy much more to be feared than such as come furnished with great force and make a great noise? Yes, surely. Now St. Paul telleth us that the devil is such a one, for he is a spirit, saith he. So then, let us not to be so fleshly as we have been wont to be, neither let us judge according to our own rude and fond fancy when the said spiritual enemy is spoken of. But let us assure ourselves that he is able to do us much more mischief without all comparison than if we could see how he came towards us and how he entered into us. So then, forasmuch as he is a spirit, let us be so much the more afraid of him. And to the intent the faithful should be the better disposed to come to this foresaid point, that is to say, to know their own confusion, till God have provided for it. St. Paul addeth yet one confirmation more of this saying. For as soon as we have received the faith and be enlightened by God's Holy Spirit, if we have any desire to do well, we shall by and by endeavor to serve our God. And it will seem that it were enough. But if a faithful man look into himself, he shall find enough to mislike and to sigh and groan for, according as I have told you before, that even St. Paul confesseth himself to have been unhappy and crieth out, Who shall set me free from this prison of death? The faithful then shall always find enough in themselves wherefore to mourn before God.
Yet notwithstanding, forasmuch as God hath put some goodness, some well-meaning, and some good intent into us, the same doth half cover the lewdness of our nature, so as we know not a long time after that it were requisite, how wretched our state is, so long as we think but upon ourselves, I say, upon ourselves, such as we be after that God hath partly reformed us by his Holy Spirit. That is the cause why St. Paul sendeth us to behold what the unbelievers are, if we look upon the world, we shall see some given to covetousness, and some to pilling and pooling, and not only the little thieves that are whipped and hanged, even such as are robbers, I say, not in woods and forests, but in houses, in markets, and in places of justice. We shall see that there is neither faith nor loyalty among most men, but that all men are given to pilling and pooling, without any respect of equity or uprightness. We shall see some rush out into whoredom and dishonesty, some into drunkenness, and some into other lewdness and loose behaviour. We shall see men wrap out oaths, perjuries, and other cursed things. Again we shall see secret conveyancings, impoisonings, spitings, malicings, treasons, and wicked practices. To be short, we shall see some so devilish that they fling themselves headlong altogether, as though they meant to make war willfully against God. These are things that may astonish us, and although we be dull, yet ought we to have some remorse when we see things so far out of order in the world. Nevertheless, St. Paul saith that if we consider what is done, and how all things are turned topsy-turvy, and what liberty the world taketh to withstand God, it behoveth us to apply the same to ourselves, and to conclude thus, The same should betide me, yea, and even as much as I see in them that are most wretched, for when we look upon the diseases that are abroad, how some are eaten with cankers and other filthy diseases, and other some have as terrible sicknesses as can be, we must pry upon them and say, As ill, yea, and worse too, should light upon me if God pitied me not. For all of us do carry the seed of them about us, and that not only in our bodies but also in our souls, for there may be some diversity of complexions, so as some shall be stronger and lustier than other some but the soul of man is utterly corrupted and marred. So then the sins that reign in us are all of them warnings to make us cast down our eyes and to be ashamed before God and his angels, yea, and to make us hate and utterly abhor ourselves. Thus ye see why St. Paul hath added here that the devil worketh now still. He useth the word now as if he should say, My friends, if in looking upon your present state you find anything well, and that the same keepeth you from humbling of yourselves thoroughly, and from feeling how miserable ye should have been, if God had not showed pity and mercy towards you. See what is done about you, see how the unbelievers behave themselves, and you shall find them to be as wild beasts and enemies of their own salvation. You shall find them stark mad against God, and against all right. To be short, ye shall see so great enormities as shall abash men, and make them to say, Alas, is it possible that I should be thus? And so ye see what ye be, say not, fie on the naughty pack. Ye may well find fault with such a one, but ye must therewithal add by and by for a source to season it, how great hath God's mercy been towards me. Then let us never condemn the sin that we see everywhere in other men without considering therewithal that if God had not bridled us, we had fallen as deeply as we see others to have fallen, and therefore let it stir us up immediately to pray God that he lead us not into temptation, and let us acknowledge God's infinite goodness, in that it pleaseth him to rein us in such wise that we fall not into the horrible falls which we see about us. 
For when we look upon the wickedest in the world, yea, and even upon such as we be driven to abhor as monsters, we must, as I said afore, conclude thus with ourselves, alas, as much should befall us, if God remedied it not. And so ye see how we ought to put this lesson in your. And St. Paul speaketh expressly of the rebellious children, to show that there will be no obedience in us, except God put it into us, and reform us, and both change the naughtiness whereunto we were given afore, and continue and increase the goodness that he hath begun. For else Satan hath so taken possession of us, as he must needs draw us like brute beasts. True it is that St. Paul addeth anon after, that this served not only for the heathen, howbeit that God's grace was most apparent in them, but that even the excellentest men were comprehended therein, and, which is more, that the Jews, who thought themselves to have a singular privilege of exemption from the common cursedness of men, were also forlorn and damned, till they were redeemed by our Lord Jesus Christ wherein we see yet better the thing that we touched not long since, that is to wit, that here is no mention made of any one sort of men alone, but that the Holy Ghost thundereth upon all men, to the end that all of us should be beaten down from the least to the most. But this cannot be discoursed as now. Therefore we must for conclusion take that which St. Paul treateth, which is that God hath quickened us, whereby he doth us to wit, that we bring not life with us from our mother's womb, but that by reason of sin we be in death when we come into this world, which is worse than if we were not at all. Yea, and that there is no gainsaying to it, because we shall not find anything in ourselves but corruption and wickedness, and because that the more a man stirs it, the more it sinketh, and we shall be the more loath to see the great and deep dungeon of all iniquity which is in us. Therefore it standeth us on hand to be quickened, and to have life given us, not of nature, but of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we be renewed by him. Yea, and to know that God hath taken us out of a wretched and cursed state, and thereupon to forget all vainglory. And let us not think that ever we shall yield unto God the praise that he deserveth, till we abhor all our own wretchedness, and be come to the point to know that the devil reigneth over us, till God pluck us out of his paws, and set us free from his cursed tyranny. For is there anything more irksome than to say that we be subject to the devil, and that he reigneth not only over our bodies, as some worldly tyrant might do, but also over our souls and over all our thoughts? For he is a spirit, and there is not that thing in us which is not corrupted by him, and filled with his poison. Since we know this, let us consider also that God, having found us in that plight, hath notwithstanding not disdained us, nor lettered for all that to succour us, according as St. Paul useth the same reason when he saith that we were God's deadly enemies, at such time as Jesus Christ redeemed us. And so let us conclude that God respecteth nothing but our miseries when he calleth us to him. He looketh not whether we seek him or no, for how were that possible? We draw clean arseward. He looketh not whether we be able to do him any service or no, for we be rank rebels against him. He looketh not whether there be any good towardness in us, for all our thoughts and lusts are deadly enemies fighting against his righteousness. Whereat looketh he then? What moveth him to succour us? Even the infinite number of miseries that he findeth in us, and the horrible confusion wherein we be, those are the things which incline God to show us mercy. So then, let all mouths be stopped, and let us not presume to bring anything in this behalf, as though we had bound God unto us, or that he had found aught in us wherefore he should show us favour. 
for he must take all things of his own, and do all of his own infinite goodness, because he seeth us miserable, damned, and utterly forlorn, and let that stir us up to do good, and to provide remedy, not only for our diseases, but also for our death. For if we were but corrupted with sin and vice, the malady were already incurable. But besides that, there is a death, yea, and a spiritual death, which cannot be recovered by all the means and remedies of the world. God must be fain to put to his hand, yea, and that so mightily, as it may be known that he saveth us by miracle. And now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our sins, praying him to make us so to feel them, as we may forsake them, and be rid of them daily more and more, and that in the mean season he of his goodness will bear with us, and not examine us over strictly, but little by little abate and correct the naughtiness that reigneth too much in us, and not suffer us to be slaves unto Satan, but set us free by our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom we hold all our spiritual freedom. And so let us say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 9